Welcome to Massive Late Fee. And now your hosts, Mark and Carol. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to Massive Late Fee. My name is Mark. With me, as always, is my girlfriend, Carol. How you doing, Carol? Hey, what's up? It is October 29th, 1994. Two days until Halloween. Big Halloween bash in, not in progress, in in planning, I guess. And it's also Mark's birthday today. Oh, yeah. Getting old. Everybody should stop by his locker and, and you know, tell him happy birthday. Right. <laughs> yeah, go ahead and do that. Uh, yeah, we're going to have a big party for for Halloween. It's going to be like that, that big party that you wanted to throw. You mean the Beverly Hills No yes. No Party? <laughs> that one, yes. <laughs> yeah, we're even going to rent an airplane to invite the whole school. <laughs> Except for the freshmen. Uh, right. <laughs> we're not going to do we're not going to do that, but I mean, you know, it's going to be a big party like that. We won't have we won't have caterers, but <laughs> Yeah, we won't have caterers. We won't have a hot tub. We won't have as much booze. I will say closed. no booze, but Yeah, yeah, yeah. no booze. <laughs> Quote, unquote, no booze. Of course. Anyway, so it's going to be a good time if you are in our area and you know us. Not if you're strangers, obviously, that's yeah, not on. Please don't but, come come to my house if you are, uh, if you are uh, strangers. But anyway, so big news for strangers going to see a rock concert. <laughs> Candlebox is at the State Theater. Three nights all sold out. Yay, Candlebox. Although I'm sad that they sold out so fast. Oh, yeah. Well, they're they're very popular. That, song, that Far Behind song is a, a big, it's a big hit. It's an awesome song. Yeah, it's pretty good. I like it. There's uh, they, They've got some different, some different uh, songs out there. And that's sort of what this article's about. It's the, the writer of the article kind of goes into how they can cross genres. They they get the alternative crowd, but then they also they're hard rock enough to get the the headbanging crowd and you know, they just think they, they album rock, they 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 go for it all. <laughs> yeah, it's kinda of funny how um they're just kinda of all over the rock and yeah. So yeah, they, they, they kind of illustrate it by talking about how all the different radio banners are there and how that's an odd thing. Because usually when they when they sponsor concerts and things like that, it's one radio station like 89X or something like that sponsoring a, a concert. Every once in a while, two will get together. But Candlebox goes through so many genres that basically every radio station that even peripherally, peripherally plays rock. That's how Scooby-Doo would say it. <laughs> There you go. Uh, like wow, Scoob. <laughs> it's about it's about Halloween time, so spooky. I don't know uh, what do they call themselves? The Mystery Machine Crew. Um, something like that. Yeah, let's say that. Speaking of Halloween time and scariness, the insane clown posse uh-huh. is also. Uh, I guess selling out some concerts or something like that. I don't know. There's now I, some of you may have heard of the Insane Clown Posse. Some of you may have not. I am aware that this that these tapes now go far beyond our school, far beyond the state of Michigan, and into parts unknown all over the world. Uh, I will explain what Insane Clown Posse is, or ICP for short. They're two dudes, uh, Shaggy Too Dope, also known as Shaggy, and Violent J. Uh, his real name is Joseph Bruce. Never trust a guy with two first names, just, <laughs> just saying. They are a big old like rap horror group. They, they dress up like clowns, like kind of, I don't know, scary-ish clowns, I suppose. And they sing rap songs. That's, that's what they do. They're from here. They're from Detroit. They grew up together in Detroit. They have an apartment that they share. 
uh, by the cast corridor. Speaking of strangers coming there, I, I guess strangers show up outside their, their apartment in the cast corridor. Oh, geez. Fans, yeah. So, I mean, like I said, that's not on, obviously. Don't do that. But they have, I don't listen to them, but they have two albums right now. One's called Carnival of Carnage and then Ringmaster, and they're coming out with a third album. They're getting some heat, apparently, uh, at least enough to to include an article here in the Detroit Free Press. And they're they're about to go out on tour. That's uh, that's why they're writing about them because they're about to go out on tour. Now I've heard a couple of their songs. Their songs get some decent airplay on some of the stations, some of the radio stations around here. Uh, you know, in, in no small part because they're from here. Right. And I'm not, not a huge fan. Good. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not a huge fan. I gotta say, but I do know people uh, who do love them. I'll tell you that much. Right. But yeah, definitely, definitely not me either. But if yeah, if you're into it's they they sing a lot about like sort of horror type stuff and like like I don't know exactly how to describe it. A lot of it's like like violence and I don't know. That's just it's weird. It's it's some weird rap from two white guys dressed as clowns. So, <laughs> I mean, I don't know how it could be bad, but not our cup of tea. But you know. Whatever floats your boat. Yeah, but uh, yeah, that that's it for the that's it for the news. Today. That's all I got for the news. You got anything? Any, no. Anything happen in your life that you want to report to the people? I already said, you know, we're having a party and it's your birthday. That's that's what's happening in my life. Having a party. It's, it's a busy week. Absolutely. Uh, are you like me? What do you mean? Uh well, we've we've moved on now to. To massive love, our uh, lonely hearts uh, section here. So thanks for the heads up. We are, <laughs> we are moving into what's it called? From the heart, I believe it's what's called in the, the Detroit Free Press. So the first one says, "Are you like me?" Question mark. Bored, frustrated, leery, leery, <laughs> involved, white male, forties. Clean, trustworthy, slender, cute, sensual, discreet, non-smoker, needs you. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> Leery. It's so weird. That's a very strange adjective to throw in your personal ad. Yeah. Almost like a joke. I don't know. It makes me not want to, like, if I were looking, I would not want to call him. I'm now leery of you. <laughs> Well, many things make me not want to call him, including you. Yeah. No, no, no. No, I meant, I meant like reading this. I'm now leery of this guy. Oh, okay. <laughs> then the next one down. So, so I, I would like to point out, we've got a couple from the alternative section, but I'm telling you, when we first started doing this, I think it was sort of a novelty or funny or whatever. It was like, uh, oh, you know, just uh, clean and discreet, bisexual, bi-curious, you know, all that stuff. Right. And it's like now it's old hats to yeah. us. So, so, yeah, this is from the male-seeking female section. The next one down says, uh, a single handsome polo-looking. Polo-looking? <laughs> but not playing. <laughs> young gentleman seeks attractive, petite, young female for good times. Good times is capitalized, the, the G and the T. So I'm for good times, the TV show, I guess. <laughs> he wants to watch good times. Good times. He wants to sit around in his polo attire and watch good times. And he wants <laughs> someone to watch it with him. And he wants you. Right. Hanging on a jury. Good times. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't we glad that we got him. Good times. Have you been celebrating early, honey? Yeah, maybe. Uh, how about Firefighter, 25 years old? That's got to pique your interest already, right? Um, Sure. Looking for female 20 to 30 years that's fun and likes dangerous things to do. Oh, jeez. So this dude's a firefighter. He's an adrenaline 25. junkie. And he's looking for someone in that age range who likes dangerous things to do. Don't call him, ladies. He'll choke you out. That is... Well, some women like that, I hear. But it's dangerous. 
this dangerous. But what do you think he means? Do you think he means like skydiving? Do you think he means bungee jumping? Do you think he means murder? <laughs> well, I think he probably means more stuff like bungee jumping and skydiving because he's probably an adrenaline junkie, which is why he's a firefighter. Right. Yeah, I mean, I guess. Uh, so, uh, now now we are in the alternative section. Okay. Just so you know. Thank you for keeping me abreast. Yeah, I have to, I have to make sure you know everything that's going on with this show. Uh, honest, adventurous, and... What is wrong with me today? Honest, adventurous, passionate, married, white male, 45, seeks attractive, sensuous, passionate, uh, Taurus or Virgo. Oh my goodness. Interested? Question mark? Call me. What I love is that he starts his ad where he's looking for someone to cheat with, with the word honest. Right. (laughs) Are you going to tell your wife about that, sir? That she put this ad in the paper? Because uh, that, to me, is not honest. Well, that and, you know, he has uh, picked two a- a- astrological signs. Yeah, you know more about this than I do. Taurus and Virgo, are they... they I, I assume that, that that means he's something that would be compatible with those two. I mean, I guess I would assume that, but uh, it seems dumb to me to rule out, like, that many people. Well, I mean, if, if the stars tell him that he's not going to get along with them. Right, I guess. You're Definitely the one that believes me in this shit. I don't. I believe in it, but not to that extent. I mean, if I really believed in it, I wouldn't be dating you. Because I'm a Scorpio. Exactly. You weirdo. Why do you talk like that? Why do I talk like what? Scorpio. That's how you say it. Scorpio. Uh-huh. That's what I said. Moving on. <laughs> so here's the last one I've got. Very lonely, (laughs) overweight, married, by white male, 28, seeks female and adult couple for adult fun, age, race, and looks unimportant. Wow. Discretion is. Wow. So he is a very lonely, overweight, married. So I I guess. Yeah, something's very wrong there if you're married and you're very lonely. He's a bi white male, and he's looking for a female and adult couple. And or or because no, it's with a, and it, it says weird. and. So he wants to do group sex. He's looking for a female and an adult couple for adult fun. Yes, he wants to find a woman, and then a couple, and then him. So he wants to swing. I guess he's looking for a partner to swing with. And the couple, he's doing two, two birds with one stone situation here. He's, he's getting he's getting the partner, because his wife apparently won't do it. And then he's also getting the the other couple. So weird. But age, race, and looks are unimportant to him. So basically he's just desperate. Discretion is, well, he's very lonely. <laughs> so, yeah. He's like a giant neon sign. Lonely Aww. cheater. You said giant, and he's overweight. That's sad. <laughs> Oops. Uh, anyway, so that is Massive Love for this week. We will move on now to My So-Called Life. Okay. Carol, why don't you take us through My So-Called Life? So, My So-Called Life this week was a Halloween episode. It was. And, um... It was with uh, her parents going to rent costumes on Halloween, which yeah. seems a little late in the game. Well, they she forgot that they were supposed to go to her friend's Halloween party. Right. And, um, you know, they're giving the lady the hardest time, too. It's like, <laughs> it's Halloween. But um, she assures them that, you know, the costumes she's picking for them are the perfect costumes. It's kind of weird. Yeah, she does say that almost as if she has mystic powers. Right. She's picked Rapunzel and a pirate. Rapunzel and a pirate. They don't go together. They do not go together at all. So they're, they're you know, getting ready for a party, passing out candy. And Angela and her friends 
mm-hmm. decide to celebrate Halloween in a very strange way by going back to school at night. Yeah, why? To hold a seance because there's a dead... But why? Can, can, can you let me talk? Sure, go ahead. <laughs> You're skipping scads of things that have happened in the episode, but go ahead. Because there's a dead boy. How do they know that? Because it's like the rumor from around school. So you just don't remember them. I don't remember. <laughs> okay, so what happened was, <laughs> is first of all, in the morning, Angela contemplates, should I wear a costume? Should I not wear a costume? I want to wear a costume, but I don't want to wear a costume. She very uh, sort of, not bubble-headed, but... I don't know. She's mercurial, I suppose. That yes, that's very that that's that's a good adjective for her. So she she goes to school without a costume on. Bad choice. She's in English class where, you know, a bunch of people are wearing costumes. Crackhead isn't, but most everyone else is, including the teacher. And she's like, Oh, I should have worn a costume. Now Jordan's not there and the teacher, for some reason, <laughs> asks all the students, hey, who knows Jordan Catalano? Right. Like like I said when we were watching it, like, why not, like, freaking call his house, talk to his parents? Like, that seems a more appropriate venue. So she says to Angela, do you know him, Jordan? Like, almost <laughs> accusatory. Right. Yeah, I know him a little bit. Well, tell him he better show up or I'm, or I'm expelling him. She's entrusting that message to this girl that says she barely knows him. Yep. Instead of doing anything herself. So weird. And uh, when since when did teachers have the power to expel people? Well, I think she's just going to go to the principal and say, hey, you know, he's not showing up to class. Kick right. But anyway, so she, uh, Angela's got her new book, and they're looking at who had the book before her. And Nikki Driscoll is one of the people that had the book before her. Right. That's the dude that supposedly died on Halloween in the school, uh-huh. which is why they're doing the seance. Okay. But you're saying, like, how do they know that? I don't know. Like I said, it's a rumor around school that there's this kid that died and that's his name. Yeah, but they, they, they the, the episode very clearly showed how they... They came to talk about it. How they came to talk about it, but not how they came into the knowledge of you, it. Right, you didn't skip anything. Okay, well, fine. I'm not saying I didn't skip anything. Obviously, I skipped things. I might have circled back to them. Do we have to do everything linearly? Ah, uh, I mean, it helps if you're if you're explaining an episode. Oh, okay. I mean, we can do things out of order. I don't care. Crackhead, you know, was uh, seriously macking on what's her name, Renee. Um, Staring Renee. At her. What's her name? Um, now I can't think of her name, but it's not Renee. It's not Renee. I think Renee's her mom's name, Rayanne. Rayanne, yeah, that's right, Rayanne, Rayanne. Yeah. Okay, so that's way skipping ahead. Oh, and I can't do it though. You can do it. I can't. Do it. I got joking, but no. Around the same time, he's staring at her legs as she's as she's she is shaving her legs in the woman's bathroom. Is that something that, that women do at no, school? No, I have never seen a girl shave her legs in the bathroom, and I certainly have not done that. That's weird. But, you know, Rayanne is weird. So. But, yeah, so he's sta- he was staring at her legs. Yeah, he's standing outside the girl's bathroom, like, staring in, which is weird. It's whole, weird. He's always weird. He is always weird. He is the most whiny person on television, I think. But Ray, so Rayanne is shaving her leg. She is dressed as a vampire, mm-hmm. and she brought a costume for Angela. Like she must have just known that Angela wouldn't wear one. Apparently. And what she brought was her aunt's old clothes. Her mom. No, I thought she said her aunt. I thought it was her mom. Pretty sure it was her aunt. Okay, we'll say it was her aunt then. Um, it's her aunt's old. Yeah, because she was talking about her aunt. Something about uh, Nikki Driscoll. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that her mom rode on the back of Nikki Driscoll's motorcycles at some point. Anyway. Maybe she said her aunt, I don't know. So, Angela is dressed like that time period, like the 50s or 60s. What what would you just say, the 50s? Uh, It was 1963, which they mention in the thing. 
right before Kennedy got assassinated. So the early the early sixties. So she's in she's got those what do they call it? like they're cat's eye glasses or something. You guys know what I'm talking about when I say that, right? They're those those like thin sort of ovate glasses. I have a question. Yes. Do you expect them to answer you? It's kinda like when you talk to the dog. Yeah. I expect them to answer me. They're shouting at their tapes right now. (laughs) I know what they look like, but that doesn't really help. You know what our listeners look like? No, the cat's eye glasses. Ew. Yeah, well, you saw the episode. True. So, yeah, so Angela's walking around wearing this, and then she starts seeing Nikki Driscoll. Right. But what's weird is she sees him, like, superimposed over Jordan Catalano. Yeah, so now I have many questions about this episode. <laughs> yeah. You seem to be of the opinion that she's experiencing some sort of haunting. Yeah, I always thought that she was. Like, uh, it seems that way to me. Okay. Um, now, I thought that she's just kind of imagining it or, or whatever, just daydreaming, basically. But if it is a haunting thing, that I'm guessing that they're, the show is trying to say that, like, Nikki Driscoll is, the spirit of him is with Jordan for some reason? I don't know. Um, I don't know about that. See, I'm thinking that she was just, that she was just thinking about Nikki Driscoll in terms of Jordan Catalano. That she was equating the two. But... Yeah, I mean, I think that's pretty obvious, especially as the episode goes on, that that is what she's doing. But just because she's doing that doesn't mean it's not paranormal. Okay. I still think it could be actual haunting. It, well, this is, this is like the most, this is the realest show on television. <laughs> it, is, it is so grounded in reality. I, it, it's kind of shocking to me to, to think that they would go there, but... I mean, you could be right. It, the, the show doesn't explain. It's definitely up to your. It's definitely left up to you. Right. So, but go ahead. Yeah, go ahead with the the plot. So she's like I said, she's seeing Nikki Driscoll everywhere, and that's kind of what gets them started talking about it too. Or, or maybe it was after the library book. It was after the book. Yeah. Okay. So they all decide they're going to do this seance to try to you know talk to his spirit or whatever, and um, Brian hears them talking about when and where they're going to meet. Yeah. And he seems like really obvious that he wants them to invite him. He's a creeper. <laughs> he is a creeper. But isn't that weird? Like what I mean, is it just cuz he likes Angela? Like what or Rayanne or what? Yeah, he, first of all, Brian would pull his penis out <laughs> for any woman in that school. <laughs> because there are times that he he looks at Angela's old friend <laughs> like with right. with leering eyes, he looks at Angela like that. He looks at Rayanne like that. The dude is just hard up. This is true, but he also kind of likes Ricky. Like Ricky and him have some sort of some sort of odd friendship. Yeah, you know it's it's weird, but they do seem to like each other. There was that episode you know, a little while back where they they had that walk and they talked to each other, and then and then Brian gave. Gave Ricky his clothes. Yep. To wear as a Halloween costume. Because Ricky wanted to go as everybody else. Yeah. So he basically dressed up like Crackhead. And. Who does not look like everybody else. No. No. Not really. <laughs> but. Yeah. he's all, It's funny because. Yeah, it's weird because Ricky's wearing like uh, a football jersey. Mm-hmm. And a pair of khaki pants or something like that. And Crackhead is always dressed like a young Republican. Where, <laughs> like, the khaki is, is, I suppose, on brand for him. But then he's usually in, a, like, a full button-up shirt tucked right. in with... It's weird. I can't even imagine him owning a, owning a football jersey, but apparently he does. I feel like I've seen him in it before, though. Yeah, well, maybe. But, you know, also, he told him he could keep the clothes longer if he needed to, so maybe they're not clothes he wears often. Yeah, maybe. But anyway, it, yeah, it is clear that he kind of wants to. Uh, he likes this group of people. Right. He just doesn't know how to be with them. Because he's weird and socially awkward. Correct. So, 
Um, Angela tells her mom mm-hmm. that she's staying the night at Rand's. Yeah. Which it's a school night. It, it's a very weird to me that her mom agreed to this. I mean, I know it's Halloween, but still. Her mom does seem to be to be loosening up. Yeah, I guess so. Um, and Angela's little sister <laughs> decides to Danielle, is that her name? Yeah. Decides to dress as Angela for Halloween. Which is it's hilarious. Yeah. Because she's, like, imitating her the whole time, too. And she does a really good job. Yep, she does. Uh, And so Angela leaves to go hang out with Rayanne. And the sister leaves with Sharon to go trick-or-treating. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's the friend's name. I don't really remember how that came to be. Well, the friend was going trick-or-treating. I mean, sorry, uh, Danielle was going trick-or-treating. And Sharon was said she was going out with her boyfriend. Yeah. But then she was like, hey, wait up. And she went with the little girl instead. So I'm thinking there's something going on with her and her boyfriend. Yeah, something. And, I mean, that maybe she just misses being a kid. Yeah, maybe she wanted to hang out with quote-unquote Angela. <laughs> right. But she, she does mention, and this is an interesting perspective, because Danielle says, you know, oh, I hate Angela or whatever. I'm so sick of her, all this stuff. And Sharon points out, well, you dress like her is, you know, in, you know, for Halloween. Like, it's clear that she does want to be close to her, but they're not close. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of sad. The other plot point, I guess, that we forgot, the last thread, is that the mom has hired a new employee named Boyd. Oh, yeah. Who is always late. He's going to the chiropractor and shit, so. Yeah, he sounds really irresponsible. Yeah, and he's entrusting himself to chiropractors, so <laughs> also an idiot. Right. So, yeah, um, it kind of comes up that maybe she wants the dad to fire Boyd for her. Yeah, and he wants her to want that. Which is weird. I mean, I guess he wants to feel needed because he's not working right now, maybe, but... Yeah, it could be. But um, I thought he wanted to be a cook or something like that. Why isn't he doing that? Right. I don't know what is going on with him. It just him. seems like he's sitting around doing nothing. Well, yeah, he's in his robe all the time that he's not in his costume in this episode. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, they they start, like, making out when the house is empty. And yeah, they can't keep their hands off. It's kind of gross. They, well, they start dress like, it starts when they start dressing up. Yeah. And they're like, and they're like, hey, uh, you know, like, oh, this looks good. This looks good. Kind of, you know, stuff. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they were being kind of flirty, but yeah, it's kind of like, I mean, insane how they, uh, like, don't, like, get all, like, he rips her dress. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Skeevy. Um, <laughs> then we have the school stuff happen. Um, Tino is supposed to be there to do the seance. Mm-hmm. Which, what is up with Rayanne and Tino? I don't know. I don't know who Tino is. They mention him. I don't know if I've ever seen him. Right. I know that he's one of Catalano's friends, too. Yeah, it's like somebody's always waiting around for Tino. It's either Catalano or Rayanne. Tino's just the guy that never shows up. I mean, I know he must have. He must be the one with the car. I don't know. Uh, yeah, maybe. I have a feeling that... Catalano's got a car. Oh, that's true. Red. <laughs> right? <laughs> um, but yeah, so they, they decide to break into the school. Like, freaking morons. Well, Crackhead shows up. Oh, yeah, and Crackhead shows up uninvited. And he knows how to break into the school. Mm-hmm. So he is holding the door. How did they get into the school? He kicked, like, he knew where a window was open or something like that. That seems weird. It seemed like it was more specific information, but okay. So he gets them in, and he's holding the door open. And Rayanne puts her foot up on the um, the railing of the stairs, mm-hmm. and to adjust her tights, he drops the door because he's staring at her. Right. Yep, he does do that. So yeah, so they get trapped in the school. It's lucky it was a school night, or they could have been trapped in there all weekend. That is true. That was a danger. So, I mean, that was that was a relief in the morning to figure out, but... Crackhead tries to, I don't know, override the security computer. Right. Which looks like a giant Star Trek. The entire wall is 
take it up by a computer. Yeah, it looks like the computer in Jurassic Park. Yeah, it's weird. But he, so he, there's all these lights on it and everything. He touches some of them, and then all lights go out. Yeah, way to go, uh, crackhead. Right. So, um, Angela, for some reason, is wandering around the school by herself. She's looking for Nikki Driscoll, who she thinks she saw. It's so weird. But she finds him. Yeah, she finds him in, well, she, first she sees the girl that looks like her, so either Rayanne's mom or her aunt, I guess, and one of her friends talk, and they're talking about what a fucking loser Nikki Driscoll is. (laughs) So, yeah, um, she sees them walking into the dance Mm -hmm. and follows them. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's all decorated. There's that one song. Oh, everybody was humming this one song throughout the episode. Oh, Blue Moon, right? Yeah. yeah. And it's playing in, in the background of this. Blue Moon. So then she sees, um, like, one of the girls is holding a flower. A rose. That Nikki gave her. And she's going to throw it away. And she says he probably just stole it from a graveyard. Yeah. And uh, they're talking about, like, what a loser he is, which I guess reminds Angela of Jordan. Because Jordan is a loser. And she picks up the flower that the girl throws away. And then she runs into Nikki in the hall. Correct. Holding the rose. Yep. So he knows that girl threw his rose away. Correct. And he gets all upset, and he's like, okay, I'm going to go with my friend. And this is how he died. Because he died on Halloween. He died in, I guess, yeah, it was in preparation for this Halloween party. He went up to the rafters, and then he fell, and someone says that a girl's left her stiletto heel on the floor for some reason and stabbed him through the nose or whatever. I mean, I'm guessing that if a kid fell from the rafters, he could easily die. Yeah, that's high up, I mean. So I'm guessing he just fell and died. Yeah, who knows? But he's about to go do the thing that gets him killed. And she's trying to stop him. It's like, hello, Angel, you did not time travel. I don't know what she's thinking, right? She's like, no, don't do it. I don't know. Well, you don't know what she's thinking. I don't don't understand this part in in any way. Because what would you be thinking? She's really having this big of a ghost experience? I don't know. She could be. It seems so weird for this show. I mean, if she's imagining it, then why is she imagining trying to stop him and everything? I don't know. I mean, I could see her imagining any manner of things. What happens at the end of the episode uh, seems to indicate that you're correct, though. True. So we'll we'll get to that later. Um, who else is in the school? There's Rayanne and Brian and Angela. That's it, basically. That's it? Yeah. Okay, so... Um, the whole time they're, they're in the security room. Ricky's outside. Oh yeah. Ricky. Yeah. And Ricky runs into Jordan and all his buddies. And I think Tino's there. Yes. Tino's doing some, something with a car. I don't know. Yeah. It's like he came, he just came late and they missed him, but they're like tearing up the track. Apparently they do it every year. Yeah. It's like tradition, which is really dumb. And Jordan you know, 25-year-old Jordan Carolano, <laughs> still in high school, is showing his age and showing that he's done with this shit. Because he's like, yeah, they do it every year, whatever. It gets, he's like, it gets boring. It right. gets dumb. He's like, but you come anyway because, hey, what if something did happen? Right. And then you'd want to be there. You know, it's like, that's the gambler's fallacy. <laughs> it's like... Oh, if I just stay one more time, I could hit it big. <laughs> yeah, he he definitely seems kind of done with everything. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't blame him. He Now, I, that's a joke, obviously, 25. But he is, I think he's supposed to be like 20 or something like that or, or close because I think he did fail high school a couple times. It's possible. And, like, you know, they're going to explain. Maybe that's why the teacher thinks it would be that easy to expel him. Or maybe he's... Maybe he's not a senior yet still, and he's 18 or something like that. Yeah. But he's 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 older. He's older than everyone else. For sure. And he looks older than everyone else. So that's what's going on there. And, like, he he, um, he tells Ricky basically to, like, hide and, and get out of there because he thinks his buddies, because his buddies are already pretty ripped. That's what he said. Right. So he thinks they might, like, beat him up or something. Right. 
which sucks. Like, especially if Jordan feels like he's friends with him, he should be able to say, hey, no, he's cool. Leave him alone. Yeah, but he's different, so he has to be beaten up. That's <laughs> how things are. <sighs> That's not cool. He's bisexual. He's bi He's bi curious. Even though he's clean and discreet, <laughs> he needs to be beaten up. That's sad. It is sad, but that's the way things are. So then um, Rayanne and uh, Brian mm-hmm. get snuggly. Yes, they do. <laughs> they fall asleep together. Yep. Yep, they're flirting all night. They fall asleep together. Definitely a thing going on. But they don't kiss or anything. No, bro- crackhead's way too much of a pussy to do anything like that. But Rayanne is an experienced woman, so I think he should have tried it. He should have, but he didn't do anything. Right. So in the morning, (laughs) Angela is passed out on the floor. It's kind of bizarre. In Nikki Driscoll's blood. No, ew. Did she still have the flower then when she woke up? No. Okay. Well, I mean, it's in in her book. Yeah. She has it pressed in a book. Yeah, so who knows where that came from. Now, I guess guess the other... Well, no, because it's at the beginning, right? It's at the front of the book. Isn't yeah, okay. yeah. I was going to say, if it was in the back of the book, then it, it also could have been just like, a, oh, look, you know, the this flower was in here the whole time, too. Right. And that goes along with what I was imagining or whatever. But, yeah, considering that it's in the front and they already looked at the front, then, yeah. I guess it's supposed to indicate that ghosts were there and ghosts can leave flowers behind. Somehow, and- out of the ghost world... They can, it's like Freddy Krueger where you can take his hat and shit. Well, and they're like, they're like in and out of the ghost thing. Like she actually walked into the locked door of the gym, but she had been in the gym. So it's kind of weird. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah. So, I mean, it would made more sense that she was imagining it if the gym was unlocked to me. Okay. Well, like I said, it's just, it's surprising for a show that's grounded in reality. Yeah, but, you know, it's Halloween. They want to do something a little different, a little more daring. Yeah. Well, I mean, they did. And mm-hmm. it, it was another episode. This is not my favorite episode, No, though. me either, honestly. It, it's kind of confusing watching it. And there's, I don't know, it's just, it, it doesn't, like, doesn't really fit much with the story of the show. Right. There's some ideas here and there. She wants to get through to Jordan. She feels like, hey, how can I ever be his girlfriend? I can't even get through to him and whatever. And then eventually she does get through to him. Yeah, she has a big talk with him in the morning um, before class about not skipping or whatever. And he ends up going to class so he doesn't get kicked out. Yeah, she's basically like, you know, why do you want them to tell you what you are? I don't know. Yeah. It was a decent little speech. I guess. It's just, I, this this whole episode, was I was just not, I was not super into it. Yeah, it, it's not my favorite either, for sure. But yeah, I mean, that's, and that's basically it, so we'll have to see what happens next time on My So-Called Life. And so for the movie, we watched Wes Craven's New Nightmare. Yeah, speaking of Freddy Krueger. <laughs> so what did you think of the movie? Uh, well, okay, so... I have some problems with some of the things in the movie. I have lots of problems with lots of the things. <laughs> so you've got a list. Okay. I do. I I liked it for the most part. If for nothing else, it does something different. It's, there's been, they mention it in the movie, there's been five Nightmare on Elm Street films. This is the sixth, I believe. The sixth one. I think that's what it is. I can't remember if they say if they say five sequels, you know, in addition to the original film, which would make this the seventh, or if there were five and then this is the sixth. Actually, I, I, I think this might be the seventh. I, I think that it's the seventh. I'm not really sure either. You know, I'm not great with the details. But anyway, so either way. We're way into this movie, <laughs> this franchise at this point. Right. And I I like that they did something different. And it, it, it takes a while for Freddy to actually show up in a Nightmare on Elm Street movie, which is also something that's, that's cool. It, it works as an homage to the first movie 
while at the same time taking us in a kind of interesting new direction. Now, could it have been done better? Are there things that I would change? Absolutely, but I like the the idea, I guess. Okay, I'll give you that. The idea is good. But yeah, so I'll go through the plot real quick of this, and then we can talk about what we hated and what we liked. Okay. But base, the basic premise of this is it stars Heather Lang- Lang- Langenkamp as Heather Langenkamp, and she has... She played Nancy. Yeah, she was Nancy in the original film. She's starring as herself, as the actress that was Nancy in the original Nightmare on Elm Street. There, she has a husband who I guess is, is her husband is a makeup artist in real life, and she has a son in real life, and she's got a son here, and you know her husband is a special effects guy, so it's similar. The beginning of the movie, he's working on a new, a new claw for Freddy Krueger because they're doing a new Nightmare on Elm Street movie, and it comes to life, kills two of his crew, and then goes to try to kill him, cuts his finger and everything, and we realize it's a dream. Nancy wakes up, or I mean Heather, Heather wakes <laughs> up, and they're having an earthquake. There's been a lot of earthquakes. Also, not ever really explained if yeah. that's connected. To the evil that's going on or not. They talk about how odd it is that there's all these earthquakes. Right. And it seems weird timing, but they never really fully merge those two ideas. Well, if you recall, there's a certain point in the movie when she's experiencing earthquakes and nobody else is. Yeah, but it's clear that there are earthquakes actually happening in reality as well. I suppose. What do you mean you suppose? It's on the news. I mean, yeah, they are, but I mean there's so much there's so much blending in the movie of reality and dream and fantasy. It's hard to keep track truly of what's actually happening. That's true. But her husband goes off to do a job and she's left alone. She's got an interview that she's gonna do. She does the interview and Robert England shows up dressed as Freddy Krueger. She's kinda a little freaked out about it. She's been getting calls. This is another thing that's sort of based in reality. So uh, Heather Langenkamp was on a show called Just the Ten of Us, which was a spinoff of Growing Pains. And she, like, the show got canceled about four years ago or so. And I guess when the show got canceled, she started getting threatening letters from an obsessed fan. It was in the papers. And I guess, it, you know, like everything sort of petered out. The police were on the case and, and everything turned out fine. But uh, Wes Craven, I guess, based this partially on that because she's getting phone calls from somebody basically saying, you know, one, two, Freddy's coming for you, all that stuff. And her son is sleepwalking and acting all weird and talking in the Freddy voice. That's another weird thing, too. Yeah, that's not totally explained either. They seem to intimate that Freddy is using the the boy to kind of like come into our world, sort of like in in Nightmare on Elm Street Part Two, but that never really happens. Right. So it's it's one of those like it's like they went halfway with an idea. It's weird. It's a very weird movie. But anyway, so she they they use it to reunite. A lot of the old people, John Saxton, Wes Craven, has, has a role in it as well, Robert England, and they all, I mean, Johnny Depp and that girl that played Tina aren't back, but but they all talk to each other at, at various points in the movie. Wes Craven, Wes Craven just sits down and explains the entire premise of the movie at one point. Right. But she calls her husband, says, hey, we've got an, I've got another call, I'm freaked out, please come home. He goes to drive home. He starts falling asleep. Freddy comes. And I mean, the, and this dude, he said it's a three hour drive. Right. What the fuck? Did you eat a bunch of turkey and drink some <laughs> wine before you started driving? He is so fucking tired. Well, I mean, uh, he, maybe he put in a full day of work and I, he had to drive three hours to get there. So, I mean, that's a lot. That's a lot. I guess. But he's falling asleep. And Freddy comes, slashes him, he gets in a car accident, he dies. Nancy wakes up, it's another dream. 
Oh, there's a lot of dream fake outs. Yeah, in it's this, annoying. In this movie. But fake out turns out to be real out. So was it prophetic? I guess. Because there are cops at the door. Uh, are you Heather Lynan Camp? Is your husband uh, this pile of meat? Well, he's Oh, dead. my God. So she goes to the morgue, and there are slash marks on his chest. And the people are like, oh, well, they said it was a really bad car accident. Just a really horrible car accident that left four equally distributed marks across his his entire body. Makes sense. Right. Just like the uh, four equally distributed uh, slash marks in her walls from the earthquake. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of that stuff. So he dies. She, they go to the funeral. The The boy is obviously sad. She falls, hits her head. She falls because there's an earthquake. Yeah, but was there really? I don't think so. Oh, good question. I think she was just, she stood up and then fell or whatever. I don't know. But because they were wheeling her husband down into the grave. And she, her and the boy fall in there. And it's like he's falling into the thing. There's also a thing where he's got a stuffed animal that he puts at the end of his bed. And it protects him from Freddy. And it gets claw marks in it. But it's intimated that this dinosaur comes to life right. and fights off Freddy in the dream world. I don't, I mean, I guess that's kind of one of those dream warrior ideas where it's like, there's a lot, like, basically every idea that's ever been in a, in a Nightmare on Elm Street movie, even though Wes Craven only did the first one, is, and this one, is thrown into this movie. It's like all these ideas that everyone else put into my thing, I'm going to put in here. Too. Yeah. It's weird. But... So, I'm trying to think where we go from here. So, yeah, the husband dies. She talks to her son about about everything. They she hears that Wes Craven's writing a new a new script. Um, the producer says, you know, Wes told me that he hasn't, you know, he hasn't done a horror movie in ten years. He hasn't called me in ten years because he hasn't had any really good nightmares. And Nancy's like. So he's having the nightmares again. Like, it's so weird. Like, she's already acting like it's a supernatural thing. Right. Well, we're not really at that point in the movie yet. So are we just saying that Wes Craven wrote A Nightmare on Elm Street because Freddy's real? I don't know. I mean, I think that was kind of what was established in the movie. It's so weird. But she goes to, to Wes Craven's house. And because Robert Robert England leaves from the movie, he exits the movie with an answering machine message, (laughs) which basically just says, hey, I'm not in the movie anymore. Uh, See you later, guys. (laughs) He sounds really sad about it. But no, he says that he's going out of town. The Englands are going out of town. You know, you could try to reach us, but we'll be gone for a very long time. Right? It was so weird. So she goes to Wes Craven's house, and Wes Craven is like, yeah, I have a nightmare every night, which is a scene from this movie, and then I write it, and I want you to be in it because, look, Nancy, there's an evil entity that exists in the world, and it gets trapped. The only way to trap it is to trap it in in stories, and... You know, sometimes it's Hansel and Gretel. Sometimes it's Nightmare on Elm Street. And now that we killed Freddy in the last movie, this entity is free to roam about again. It's not trapped anymore. Because no one's made a fucking horror movie since they killed Freddy, apparently. Yeah, it seems almost a little egotistical. (laughs) Uh So he says, so I'm writing this so that we can trap Freddy again in the story. And that's... That's why you got to be Nancy. And she says, okay, whatever. Um, her, her kid is going nuts. They think he has schizophrenia. Yeah, they, they think he has pediatric onset schizophrenia. Or they also say it's, you know, sleep deprivation. Right. Which seems much more likely. Right. So she uh she takes him to the hospital cuz he's like foaming from the mouth and everything. Oh yeah, that was weird. They she tells him several times, "Hey, don't worry. 
Because if you ever need to get home, it's right across that freeway. Yeah, why would she do that? Like, as soon as she did that, I was like, no. <laughs> so uh, he escapes. Uh, after his his babysitter comes there and gets murdered in the identical way that Tina did in the first movie, which is one of the illusions in this movie. It's probably the the biggest one, is that Tina gets, or she gets, Julie, I think her name is, gets dragged up the wall and across the ceiling just like Tina did in in the original Nightmare on Elm Street, and he which people it. see, not just him, other people see it too. Yeah, her floating in midair, right, and then getting dragged up the wall. Yeah. So what are they gonna do with that? Nurses see it, and they leave the little boy there alone. Yeah, as uh, bitches, you don't leave a little boy. So uh, he he gets out of there. He's like, okay, well I'm out. <laughs> smart kid and he's gonna cross the the freeway so he tries to cross the freeway he's sleepwalking nancy gets you know she goes she goes to follow him too there's a ton oh. of car accidents yeah go ahead no because they drugged him remember yeah. he was actually they, they, they were trying to put him to sleep yeah they put it they gave him sleeping drugs so he was sleepwalking and so there's a ton of car accidents freddie's giant hand appears yeah this is when the movie started to really lose me in the real world somehow even though he's not fully in the real world yet but i guess because the kid's sleeping i don't know what the hell's going on but so the dream world can manipulate things in the real world it's all very weird very weird but he's he holds him up with one of his his clawy fingers and above the track in the middle of the freeway i people are seeing this too they've got to be right so she crosses, causes, like I said, just a ton of people to die, I'm sure. She got hit by a car, too. Yeah, she got hit by a car on the freeway, rolled up on the windshield, then off the car. And, of course, she's fine. Oh, of because, course. Because, you know, getting hit by a car going 60 miles an hour, it's, yeah, there's no big deal. About. That's, you just walk that shit off. Of course. So she, she chases after him. She gets there. She had called John Saxton, uh, the great John Saxton. <laughs> Uh, on the way or before she left or whatever uh he's there and she comes in and she's like oh where's dylan he's like he's there don't worry you know let's let's talk what's going on and she goes it's 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 freddie freddie's after him freddie krueger and he goes oh yeah sure or whatever <laughs> just like he does in the original movie it's another homage to, yeah to the original movie and she says look he says look nancy and she's like why are you calling me why are you calling me nancy uh, John, and he goes, why are you calling me John? <laughs> so he's his character at this point, I guess. Yeah, that took me a minute to get. So he gets into a car, which is now a police car because he was a cop in the movie. He's still a cop somehow. He says, don't go insane like your mom. Take care of the kid. Bye. And then he leaves. And then she goes into the house and just to hit everyone over the head, uh, the, that scene where she calls John Saxton as her dad in Nightmare on Elm Street, the original, is playing on the TV. And he says the same line where he's like, oh, yeah, sure, Freddy Krueger, right? Yeah. Freddy Krueger's dead. And so, anyway, uh, Dylan is falling asleep and he leaves all the sleeping pills like a trail of breadcrumbs because they read Hansel and Gretel earlier, so they're connecting the two. Right. And says, hey, you follow these. That, that That's basically what he's saying subconsciously. About, like, eat these. And she eats so many sleeping pills. Yeah, it's like, are you trying to commit suicide? What is happening? I mean, I know they're for kids, and I don't know why they gave him so many sleeping pills for being there overnight, but there's, like, five, like ten sleeping pills, and she just, like, gobbles up. And so she does fall asleep, obviously. She goes into a coma, and <laughs> she goes into the dream world, which is, like, this nightmarish hellscape. Yeah, it's pretty uh, icky. And... Her and her little boy fight Freddy. Uh, the little boy goes into a furnace. Freddy comes after him. His arm grows out like real long, which is another allusion to the original Nightmare on Elm Street where that happened, and tries to grab him. Uh, Nancy pushes him into the fire, just like the witch from Hansel and Gretel, and the kid finds a place to get out. He gets out. They crank the fire up, and Freddy burns up. Then they go into the real world where there's a completed script from Wes Craven signed by Wes Craven with an explanation of what just happened saying, hey, 
Freddy's Freddy's locked up now. Thanks for having the guts to play Nancy one last time, sister. And that's it. Then the movie's over. See, it got so cheesy in the parts where they're fighting Freddy and stuff that I really thought it was like they were in the movie, like like that they were actually playing this. This was his script, which it was his script. Because, I mean, they were showing throughout the movie that some of the things they're saying were in the script. Right. So, I mean, you could look at it that way, couldn't you? Yeah, well, she says to Wes Craven at one point, she's like, did you know about her husband dying? Because he wrote it. Because it was one of the dreams he had. And he's like, he's like, he gets this look on his face like, like, yeah, he knew. And she was like, Wes, oh my God. And he's like, well, I didn't know that it was real at the time. And then obviously it happened. She's like, but you know now that it's more than just that. And he's like, yeah, I know. And I know something fucked up's going on, basically, is what he says. But so, yeah, like, every scene of the movie he's writing, it gets real weird where it's like, I'm writing this movie, you've got a player. So, yeah, you're right. It, it, it could be like she's in the movie, but they never give that reveal. Right. So that's never, it's not. It's really happening. I really was hopeful that at the end the husband would just show back up, the dad, you know, and, and it would be like that then it really happened because it was a movie. Right. Like, oh, good job on those special effects. But instead, it's her and her little boy rolling out of bed together, like, reading. She's going to read this scary script to him. Yeah, and I think the reason, so I think the reason, because Carol was like, why would you do that? And she, like, earlier when she was reading the Hansel and Gretel story, she was like, why would you do that to this little kid? Because he is a little kid. He played Gage in Pet Cemetery. Yeah, he's a creepy little kid. But that was his first role ever, I believe. And not not too long ago, but, you know. Uh, anyway, so I think the point that they're trying to make is you need to you need to share these stories. Even with kids, with everybody, everybody needs to hear these stories and legends because these stories and legends being alive is what keeps the darkness at bay. Hmm, I interesting. Think, I think that's the point of... I think that's the point of the movie. Okay. I guess I could see that. But, yeah, so that's, I think that's why she does it. So, let's, let's hear, I want to hear what your, what your problems are with this movie. Well, it's just, like I said, it's, it's confusing. You can't, you can't tell what is really happening when, Mm -hmm. um, you know, like the morgue scene, of course, was, was, it's surreal. It's like, it's supposed to be reality. Yeah, she, she, they, they let her down there with no, no one, no one's going with her. She's just alone, loose in a morgue with a right. bunch of people, a bunch of doctors just doing autopsies and shit like all over They've the place. They've got a bone saw going and, and somebody's chest cracked open. And she comes in and she's like, hello. And they're like, oh yeah, we don't need to, you know, the chain of evidence and, and sanitary, who cares? Right. It, yeah, it was, it was really weird. It's Mardi Gras down in the morgue and they're just <laughs> like, oh, she just gives the name. And they don't ask for ID or anything. They don't even say, are you a relation? She could have right. been a reporter. And they're right? just like, oh, okay, here, I'll show you this body. <laughs> so anybody can come down here, say a name, and see a body. It's so it's so weird. It, yeah, that's that's a weird thing that happens in the movie. Uh, the, the special effects are, are not, terrible. not great. They're, and there are some that, that I think are, are good. They look pretty good. There's some practical effects that look pretty good, but... You can tell it's a it's a lower budget movie. Yeah. And there the beginning is good. The beginning of the movie, the setup of everything, pretty much everything before Freddy actually shows up. Yeah. Is pretty good. As like a psychological kind of thriller thing. And then when Freddy shows up and and you know that dream element and everything, it really starts to degrade, like you it said. feels cartoonish. Like I actually laughed at one point during the well, you uh, fight with a Freddy. Times in the theater. Yeah. So if a horror movie is making you laugh, they're doing something wrong. But like I said, I like the idea, and I think the the problem is is the Nightmare on Elm Street. The problem is is that there's all this mythology. There's been all these episodes, not episodes, there's been all these these different movies. There's been all, all these sequels and everything. There's so much wrapped up into this mythology and everything. I think you could do this idea 
this idea of kind of taking a deeper look psychologically at horror movies, uh, what they mean, parroting them to in a way, stuff like that. If you didn't have that mythology weighing you down, and I'd love to see Wes Craven or anybody, you know, but especially Wes Craven's a good director and a good writer do do that without the baggage of Freddy along with it. Yeah, that makes sense. I think that that might be something interesting to look into. I don't know if I'll ever do it, but that would be interesting. Yeah. Another issue I had with the movie, Mm -hmm. when they're in the hospital, they, like, are manhandling the mom. They are, yes. It's kind of crazy. Like, the doctor thinks that she's losing it, which she kind of is. She has security come, and they're, like, forcing her to sit in a chair to talk to the doctor. Right. It's not they like, won't let her leave. It's not like the doctor put her on, like, an official psych hold or, like, she's trying to hurt anybody. But, yeah, they just keep, like, pushing her back down. And I don't think they could do that. And at one point, the nurse, two nurses come in to give him a sleeping drug. Now, they don't know that the the babysitter that's in there, the, in there with him is going to say, don't... Don't give him a sleeping pill. They suspect that maybe the mom is keeping him awake for whatever reason, but they don't know that the babysitter would be in on it. So one goes next to the boy and the other one goes up to a thing of drugs and starts like filling a vial. And she's like, what's that? And he's like, just something to help him sleep. And she says, no, don't do that. His mom wants him to stay awake. And she's like, no, we need to do this. And she's like, don't. I said no. And the nurse looks at the other nurse, and the other nurse pulls out a secret vial. Right. And get, like, they're villains. And gives <laughs> him the the sleeping drug. And she looks, like, the one nurse looks self-satisfied at, at the babysitter and says, he'll be out in a couple minutes. And then she punches her in the face. <laughs> yeah. The, and grabs not the real. vial from her and goes to the other one and says... Yeah, I know what's in that. Do you know what's in this or what's going to happen to you when I inject you with this? Because I'm going to. And she like goes after her. It's There's nothing to establish the babysitter is this on board with what the, right. the hanging camp wants, you know? Yeah. So, like, she has no reason to believe Freddy's real or, or any of this stuff. Another thing, I don't think they're allowed to drug children without their parents' consent. I'm pretty sure that is correct. Yeah. The, the, so many things wrong with this movie. But, yeah. Uh, so that's that's a new nightmare, Wes Craven's new nightmare. It was definitely a nightmare. <laughs> I I still think there are there are things to there are things to take away from this. I think there are positives to take away from it. Like what? Well, like I said, the idea the 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 boldness of doing something new instead of just doing another boring retread of hey, Freddy's coming after people. Right. Okay. I, you know, I think I think there are things to take away that are positive from here. But yeah, there's a there's there's a lot of negative too. There's there's a lot of this doesn't make a whole lot of sense <laughs> in it, and it would have been better if it was a movie. If it would have been a movie all along, because then the stuff that doesn't make sense, you could be like, oh, well, it was a movie. Okay. So yeah. That, you know, that explains. I think I might have actually said I liked it if it had turned out to be a movie. Hmm. Well, that is our episode for the week. Uh, hopefully you'll like it because this turned out to be a movie the entire time. Um, yeah. All right. So we will end this episode as we end every episode with our blockbuster pick of the week. (laughs) Carol, what do you got for this week? Well, Disney just dropped like a ton of movies. They did. There's like the parent trap and, Mm -hmm. um, sword in the stone. And I mean, just like a bunch like Robin Hood. I, 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 I Snow White. Snow, Snow White, White, yeah. Or yep, yep. So I'm excited. I, I like the Disney movies. Yeah, they're fine. Uh, I would recommend The Paper. What's The Paper? The Paper is a, a movie with Michael. It's a Ron Howard movie. Oh. Uh, Ron Howard. You know Ron <laughs> Howard. Yeah. He's, uh, he's a good director. But he it's uh, Michael Keaton and Glenn Close, Marissa Tomei, Randy Quaid. It's basically about one day in this a newspaper editor's life, and there's some murders, and they discover that maybe the police are not uh, 
maybe the police aren't the good guys in this scenario, and they're doing some bad stuff, so we've got to help uncover this uh, this thing, and, and yeah. Well, it definitely sounds like a good cast and an interesting story. It's a good cast and an interesting story. I, I would say that's that's what I would say about it. I think anybody that's smart would say it's a good cast and an interesting story. <laughs> um, thanks for the compliment, I guess. Have you ever seen? I want to. What is it called? I'm trying to. I'm trying to remember what. What it's called? There's a movie. That's a good movie. Uh-huh. It reminds me of this a little bit, but it's it's different. It's it's more of a straight comedy, but I can't think of it. The only thing I can think of is broadcast news, and it's not broadcast news. Although broadcast news is a decent movie with uh, Holly Hunter and uh, William Hurt and Albert Brooks. Okay. That's a good movie, but that's not... The one I'm thinking of, the one I'm thinking of, has Burt Reynolds in it, and I don't know, it's funny. But if I ever, if I think about it next week, I'll tell you about it. Okay, but sounds anyway. good. So that is our episode. Uh, Carol, take us home. Uh, once again, happy birthday. Oh, thank you. And, um, you know, go ahead and tell people about our show and leave us the stars and um, give us money. Yeah. Do all that, <laughs> especially the money. No, especially the stars. No, especially the telling people. So all of it. Do it all. Yeah. I think you should do it all. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Bye. <laughs> Bye.